And now, a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. We've been talking this, there it is. We've been talking this uh, last few weeks about make room. Everybody say make room. Make room. And uh, talking about how sometimes our lives can get crowded and busy and a lot of things going on. And, and we should clear up some space in our lives uh, for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And uh, so we've been talking about this idea of, of making room. And uh, I want to read a scripture for you out of Luke chapter 2. And this is what we opened up with a couple weeks ago. And I just want to read it again to keep us reminded of what we're talking about here this Christmas season. It says, at the time, the Emperor Augustus ordered a census of the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken while Quirinus was governor of Syria. All the people went to register in the cities where their ancestors had lived. So Joseph went from Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a Judean city called Bethlehem. Joseph, a descendant of King David, went to Bethlehem because David had been born there. Joseph went there to register with Mary. She had been promised to him in marriage and was pregnant. While they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to have her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there wasn't any room for them in the inn. And so we kind of kicked off talking about how there wasn't any room uh, in the inn for Mary and Joseph and the unborn baby Jesus. And uh, that's I mean, and we kind of talked about how that's kind of a problem, right? I mean, here you have a lady that is pregnant and ready to give birth, and they say, sorry, there's no room for you. There's no opportunity for you to have your baby here. There's no space for you. We are full. Please go somewhere else, right? And so we kind of talked about that in our lives, just posed that question. Is there times in our lives where we might say, we, might, we would never say that there's no room for Jesus. I mean, we're all way too spiritual for that. This is first service. I know that, right? So I'm just messing with you. So we would never, we would never actually say that. Like we would never say to anybody that there is no room in my life for Jesus. We are born again believers. We believe in Jesus Christ. We love him and we place him at the center of our lives. But sometimes life happens and things begin to crowd him out. Not that he's gone, not that we don't love him, not that we don't care about baby Jesus or fully grown Jesus or the crucified or resurrected Jesus, right? We still care about Jesus, but sometimes we need to make room in our lives for Jesus. And so that's kind of what we've been talking about. And last week, Pastor Mike talked about uh, making room in our lives for the Bible, for the Word of God. And that is important. The Bible is important. So we could do four things with the Bible, and uh, you can ignore it. That's bad. Ignore is bad, right? You can ignore it. Like you can choose to ignore it, okay? You could read the Bible. Oh, that's a good idea. You could read the Bible, and then you could study the Bible, right? Because as you study the Bible, it's not just words on a page anymore. You begin to absorb it and you begin to believe it and understand it. And you can know all kinds of stuff about the Bible, but until you start studying it and then the last thing, apply it, right? You can apply it to your life and that makes all the difference because how else are we going to change? Have you ever read the Bible and then looked at what it was talking about? And you're like, hey, I've been doing that wrong. Like this says, 
This says, love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me. I've been talking bad about the ones that are my enemies and persecute me. So am I right or is the Bible right? Huh, look at that. I read that and I studied it a little bit and now I can apply it to my life. So I'm going to pray for those who persecute me? That's cool. That's what the Bible does. And so we should make room, make time for the Bible, for the Word of God uh, in our lives. Amen? Amen. And so today, uh, if you missed that message, you can go back and rewatch it. Um, you can check it out online or on our app, all sorts of places. But today, I want to talk about another thing we can make room for in our lives. You guys ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. I'm ready to tell you. We can make room for prayer. All right, so um, I thought it'd be fitting uh, to start off this message this morning by showing you a clip of a prayer, and uh, check it out. Enjoy it. Pastor remain standing for invocation, delivered tonight by Joe Nels, pastor of Family Baptist Church in Lebanon, Tennessee. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for all your blessings. You said in all things give thanks. So we want to thank you tonight for these mighty machines that you brought before us. Thank you for the Dodges and the Toyotas. Thank you for the Fords. And most of all, we thank you for Roush and Yates partnering to give us the power that we see before us tonight. Thank you for GM Performance Technology and the R07 engines. Thank you for Sunoco Racing Fuel and Goodyear tires that bring performance and power to the track. Lord, I want to thank you for my smoking hot wife tonight, Lisa. My two children, Eli and Emma, or as we like to call them, the little E's. Lord, I pray you bless the drivers and use them tonight. May they put on a performance worthy of this great track. In Jesus' name, boogity, 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 amen. All right. So, uh, boogity. Boogity, boogity, boogity. You like that one, didn't you, John? All right, so that's a prayer. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, that, that's a prayer. And everything give thanks, right? And so then he went through and, and, and gave. Anybody ever boogity, boogity, boogity before your amen? Anybody ever? Um, I'm not advocating that you should, all right? Uh, but there's, there's that for you. So prayer. We think of prayer, and a lot of times when I talk to people about prayer, a lot of times there's just a lot of misconceptions about what prayer is, um, like what the purpose of prayer is. Uh, and I, I hear this a lot. Well, I, I don't know what to say. You guys ever heard that when it comes to prayer? I don't know what to say. Or, or I, this is one I hear a lot. I can't pray in public. Yeah, he did. He had no problems praying in public, right? <laughs> you know, I can't pray in public, or I, I don't know how to pray, or I don't say boogity, boogity, boogity before amen, right? Never heard that one. So, so, you know, you hear a lot of times there's these misconceptions, like what is prayer, and why should we pray, and, and, and what's, the, what's the point of all of that? And, and so I want to talk a little bit this morning um, about prayer. And that, the word for prayer, the Greek word is prosu, oh, sorry, excuse me, prosukomai. Uh, and here's what this word means. I want to tell you what this word means. This word pray, it's prosukomai. And here's what it means. It means to speak to God. So that's it, prayer. And you're like, what's the rest of it? No, that's it. To speak to God. 
That's what this word pray. When we talk about, you see in the Bible and you're reading about it and it says, you know, pray and, and, and all things like never stop praying. And you see this word pop up, pray. This is the model prayer, all that stuff. That word is prosukamai, which means to speak to God. So when we pray, we are speaking to God. We are having a conversation with him. Prayer is a conversation between the creator and the creation that he loves. That's what prayer is. It is a conversation between the creator and the creation that he loves. That's what prayer is. We try to mystify it and make it all these other things and all this other, at the very base of what prayer is. It's prosukamai. It is to speak with God. That's what we're doing. When we pray by ourselves, when we pray in public, when we pray, whether there's a microphone in our hand or not, or we're in a small group setting, we're not, we're, we might be praying for someone else, but we are doing is we are connecting with the heart of God. We're having a conversation with him. We are speaking to him. We're not trying to put on a show or a public, like, look at me and look at how great my praying skills are and, and look at that. No, it's none of that. It all starts in the privacy of our own homes and we'll get there. Okay, we'll talk about that a little bit this morning. But that's where it starts. And it's a conversation between the creator and the creation that he loves. We are loved by God. Amen? Amen. And he desires, he desires for us to talk with him. He desires a conversation with us. That's pretty cool. So let's go back to Genesis, the beginning, and let's look at the first recorded conversation. It's the first recorded conversation that we have between Adam and Eve and God. You ready for this? Yes, sir. All right. And remember, a conversation is a prayer. So you could say it's almost like a first prayer. Let's check this out. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, and so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Like any good man passing the blame here. Then the Lord asked the woman, what have you done? And the serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. Also passing the blame. All right. So we see here that Adam and Eve were speaking to God. Now, if you get this, it says that, that God was walking. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. This must have been something that happened quite often because they knew he was coming and so they decided to hide. They had done something wrong. And they knew that it was time to have a conversation with God Almighty. They knew that they were going to spend time with him because that's what they did in the Garden of Eden. They spent time with God. They were naked and not ashamed. No sin had entered their life. But then we read about it. The serpent tempted Eve to take a bite of the apple, and she did, and gave it to her husband, who also ate. And that's a whole other scripture and a whole other time. We can talk about that some other day. But here's what happened. They sinned. They messed up. They disobeyed God. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the one tree in the entire garden that God said, do not eat of that tree, because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And their eyes were open and now they know good and they know evil and they know that they have made a mistake. They disobeyed God. And so where do we find Adam and Eve when God comes to hang out, to talk with, to have a conversation, to spend time with the creation that he loves? They're hiding. 
Now they're not naked and unashamed. They're naked and ashamed. They're naked and afraid. And so they throw some clothes on themselves and they say, we've messed up. We've made a mistake. And so now they're hiding. Why are they hiding? Because they know they've done something wrong. They know they've done something wrong. And what does God say? He says, hey, where are you? Where are you? And he said, he does already know. He said, I heard you walking in the garden and so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree? And he said, it was a woman you gave me and I ate it. And the woman said, yes, I ate it. So he says, he says where are you? Well, I'm hiding. I was, I was afraid. I was ashamed. I was hiding. You know, I think a lot of times when it comes to prayer, prayer is speaking with God. And sometimes we say, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. I don't know if I want to pray. I think sometimes it can come from this place of, of feeling ashamed. I think it can sometimes come from this place of feeling like you've messed up and you've made mistakes. And so now you just kind of want to hide from God. Because if I talk to God, he's going to know the things that I've done. He's going to know who I am, really. I'm going to have to like talk to him about stuff. And I know I haven't been perfect. I know I haven't been the best. And that's the thing. Sin separates us from God. But you want to know what the best time to pray is? Then, at that moment, to say, here I am. I was afraid. And what did Adam and Eve do? They confessed. I mean, they still put the blame on others, but they confessed to their sin. Yeah, I ate of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I did it. I ate of that, right? And so they saw that and they knew what they had done was wrong. They no longer wanted to have these conversations with God. Instead, they tried to hide from him. You and I, we make bad choices in life sometimes, don't we? We too may feel guilty about choices we've made. And that can keep us from praying to God. That can keep us from seeking God's face. We don't want to pray because we feel ashamed. We feel afraid. You ever had that feeling of vulnerability where you know that you're your soul is standing naked before God. He knows everything about you. You're like, I just, I really, I can't, I don't want to do that right now. That's where Adam and Eve were. Like Adam and Eve, they felt unworthy to speak with a perfect God when they were so imperfect. And we tell ourselves, well, I just don't know how to pray. I don't know what to say. It's just kind of odd. I think I just won't pray, right? The best thing that we can do is pray to God. He's the only one who can forgive you of what you have done wrong. Amen? He's the only one that can forgive you of what you have done wrong. And so you confess your sins to him. You pray to him and you say, God, take my life. I ask for forgiveness today. And have that conversation with God. Prayer is a conversation with God. We should speak with him on a regular basis. The chapter after this in Genesis 4 it says this, Seth also had a son and they named him Enosh. And at that time, people began to pray to the Lord. Let's we'll skip to 1 Thessalonians 5.17. It says, never stop what? Praying. People have been praying to the Lord for a long time. And then we're told in 1 Thessalonians to never stop praying. To pray without ceasing. Does that mean we have to walk around all the time and we're constantly praying? It means that we are always ready and available and willing to have a conversation with God. To speak to him. As the creation whom he loves, we speak to our creator who loves us and cares for us. So prayer is a conversation between the creator and his most beloved creation. But how are we supposed to pray? Like, what does it look like? What does it mean? Is there a quick and easy way to pray? Is there some rhyme I could say? 
Is there something I could do? Like someone tell me like, what do I need to do to pray? How do I need to pray? Well, fortunately for us, Jesus provided a model prayer, didn't he? You know this as the Lord's Prayer. So let's read this uh, this morning in Matthew 6, uh, 5 through 15. I'm going to read a little bit before and after the Lord's Prayer this morning. This is Jesus talking. He says, When you pray, you will not be like, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who is in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So we see this scripture. And I like this. Prayer is a conversation with God, right? Between a creator and the creation that he loves. That's what prayer is. It's a conversation to speak to God. And so they're saying, when you pray, you don't have to stand out and be like, hey, everybody, I'm praying. The people, the hypocrites that stand in the synagogue and on the streets and tell everybody how spiritual, he's like, don't do that. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to go into a room. I want you to go somewhere quiet. Listen, I'm telling you this from someone who lives with four kids under 10. (laughs) A cat, a dog, my wife, right? We have a lot of rooms in our house. Sometimes it's hard to find a quiet one. If there's not someone talking or yelling or crying or screaming or a machine running or not, it is difficult. And it's too cold to go outside. Closet. That's right. So there's, but here's the thing. We can all make room. We can all make time. We can all find a space. You know what my wife does? She gets up at 5 a.m., makes coffee, sits and reads and prays for about an hour until the kids start trickling down. One hour a day that she gets to spend. And sometimes it's less if she sleeps in. Sometimes it's less if a kid wanders down at 6.15, even though they know they're supposed to stay in bed till 6.30. But some of them can't tell what time it is, so here they are anyway. It can be difficult sometimes to get away, to make room. And maybe in your life you say, well, I have the exact opposite. I have nothing but quiet and silence. Well, then take some of that time and make room in your life for prayer. To spend time with God and to to close the room of your door. Wow, the door of your room. That makes more sense. Or go into a closet. Go somewhere quiet where you can spend some time with God in prayer, having a conversation with him. Amen? And then he tells us, he says, pray this way. So he says, our Father in heaven. All right? So what does that mean? Does it mean that when he says pray this way that we should just recite the Lord's Prayer all the time? You can put that away. I don't need that up there right now, Sarah. Thank you. 
So, you know, our father in heaven, he, he got done saying and telling people, don't do like vain repetitions. Don't just repeat, 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 repeat. And here's the thing. There's nothing wrong with praying the Lord's prayer. And I mean, you can say the Lord's prayer once a day, three times a day, five, and there can still be power in the Lord's prayer. Now, when he's saying vain repetitions, I don't want anybody to think like, well, I kind of say, like I have a certain prayer I kind of say before meals or this or that. Does that mean I'm a heathen? Does that mean I'm a bad person? No, here's the thing. Is your heart in the right place? I mean, coming to church and sitting here could be a vain repetition. Like, it's Sunday morning, it's 8.30, I'm at church. It's Sunday morning, it's 8.30, I'm at church. It's Sunday morning, it's 8.30, I'm at church. See the repetition? Now, it's vain only if your heart isn't into it. Why are you at church? Why are you here? Is it because that's what you do because you're a Christian and it's Sunday morning and it's 8.30, so I'm at church? Or is it because you want to connect with others and you want to connect with God and you want to be filled and you want to receive what God has for you and you want to be part of a community bigger than yourself and you want to encourage others and love others and give people handshakes and hugs because you love them and you love God and you want to worship together. Because then you can do it every week and it never gets old. In fact, it's more fun all the time and you bring people along for the ride. And you say, hey, you should come to church with me. It's great. People will hug you and shake your hand. If you don't want to be hugged, that's okay. They'll give you high fives. It's great. Come with me, right? And so anything can become vain and repetitious, but you can repeat things without it becoming vain. And so there's nothing wrong with saying this prayer. But I want us to look a little bit more at it this morning. It says, our Father in heaven. So one of the things that we can do when we, we come to God in prayer is we connect with him relationally. Our Father in heaven. We connect with God relationally. Amen? When you pray, you're speaking to your heavenly Father who has unconditional love for you. So every time you go to prayer, man, our heavenly Father, you thank God for who he is. That he's your Father, that he created you, that he set you free. Whatever it is, that there is a relationship there. You are speaking to God. You're having a conversation with the creator who created you our Father in heaven. And then holy, hallowed be your name. God is holy and he's worthy of our worship. Amen? Our Father, my Father who is in heaven, holy be your name. God, I worship you. We sing a song for all you've done, for all you are. I don't know if that's how it goes, but it's something like that. For for all you are and for all you've done. Got it half, like right, but in the wrong order. So, For all you've done, we should worship him for all that God has done. You say, well, God hasn't done anything for me. Like, oh, yes, he has done something for you. Well, he didn't do it the way I wanted him to, but you are breathing and alive. (laughs) You're all right. Find those things to be thankful for. For all that you have done and for all that he is. He's our creator. He's our father. He's, he's the one who loves us. He's our friend. He's our brother. Like he is everything to us. And so whatever he is, thank him. Hallowed be your name. Worship his holy name. Thank God for all that he is and all that he has done. And then it says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray his will first. How many times do we go to God in prayer and it's a conversation, and we open up with, God, I need you to do... Da, 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 da. 
Or, hey, God, I know you're listening to me, and this, these are the things I need. Check, 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 check. All right, see you later. Peace out. I'm out. Right? And we've, already, we've skipped the relational aspect. We've skipped the worshiping his holy name and all that he's done and all that he is. And we jumped right to, can you just do what I want you to do, please? But actually, sorry to tell you this, the scripture actually says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So pray his will first. Here's the thing. God knows more about us and what we need than we do. You not believe me? That's okay. He sees a picture that is much bigger than what we are able to see. And so the danger of just praying our will is that we're not getting the big picture all the time. And so we pray that God's will be done in our life on this earth, that God's will be done in us. And the cool thing about that is that eventually becomes your will. The closer you get to God and what he wants for you to do and what he's asked of you to do, the things that you pray begin lining up more with what God wants from you. Because you're coming to this place of relationship. And God, you're worthy to be praised. And God, I want your will to be done before mine. God, make your will my will. God, I want to do what you want me to do. And then he says, give us today our daily bread. We depend on him for everything. We depend on him for everything. We think we're in control, but we really depend on him for everything. I mean, I don't know about you, but life, circumstances, things can change in an instant. I mean, things can flip just like that. We depend on God for everything. We can trust God that he will give us all that we need for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry. I mean, yeah, plan for the future and do all that good stuff, but don't worry about tomorrow. The Bible says there's enough trouble for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Like there's enough things going on today. Like why even just give it to God? Trust him for your daily bread. The Israelites got manna every single day. There's new manna every single day. Trust God for his provision today. Don't borrow trouble for tomorrow, from tomorrow. There's plenty to go around today. There's plenty of good things today. Focus on those things as well. God will give you all that you need for today. Then he says, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. What's that mean? It means keep your heart right with God and people. Keep your heart right with God and people. When you come to him in prayer, let him investigate your life. Are you holding on to anger or unforgiveness? There's these scriptures at the end. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses, your debts, debtors. There's none of that. So we need to come to him with a right heart toward God and towards others. Amen? Are you holding on to anger or unforgiveness? Is there bitterness? Is there strife in your life? If so, give it to God so that your heart can be right with God and others. I'm going through these quickly. If you're not able to write them down or you don't bring things to take notes, we have study guides out front. You can get it on your app. You can get one out there. Take it home and check into these things. It says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Take a stand against the enemy. Amen? Take a stand. Temptation is not a sin, but giving into it is. Pray that God would give you the strength to do what you know is right. When you go to God in prayer, when you're having a conversation with him, pray to him that he would give you the strength to do what you know 
is right. That can be a tough thing sometimes. Pray to him. That's the only thing that's going to change it. That's the only thing that's going to change it is pray to him that he would remind you when there are times that you're about to make a bad choice or you're tempted to do something wrong. Pray to him that you would have the strength and the ability to be delivered from it. And then finally, it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Have faith in God's ability. Have faith in God's ability. We can pray that God's kingdom would continue to grow on this earth. We can pray for those who do not know God yet and that we would be willing to share the hope of Jesus with them. There's so many things we can pray. We can pray for him, to him about the thing, anything that we ask, think, or imagine. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, think, or imagine. Exceedingly above anything that we ask, think, or imagine. That is his power and his glory forever. Amen. We can come to him with prayer and he's able to do way more than we think is even possible. So we can come to him and have faith in his ability. Amen. Amen. Would you read the Lord's prayer with me this morning? It's on the screen. It says this. Oh, okay. Here we go. In this manner, therefore pray, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For more information on New Covenant, contact us at 3318 Fifth Avenue South, Fort Dodge, Iowa, 50501. Or you can call us at 515-955-6222.